we do have victory in Jesus. Welcome everybody to our time of worship here this morning at Yellow Creek. Those who are here, those who are joining us online. It's a beautiful morning to celebrate victory in Jesus. It's a beautiful morning to celebrate Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. Uh, we made a little bit of a last-minute change to our lineup this morning, and uh, I invite you to stand and uh, uh, turn to page 154 in the blue hymnal. We're going to sing, This is My Father's World. So while we're celebrating Father's Day here, we're also celebrating, obviously, um, our Father in Heaven. So please stand and join us as we sing number 154, This is My Father's World.
I invite the ushers forward to uh, receive our offering. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for all the blessings you've given, for walking with us, for strengthening us, for purifying us. Lord, as we offer back to you this token, may we open our hearts to give everything, all of our possessions, all of our time, to your honor, your glory, work through us in ways that are um, maybe shocking to us, but open our hearts to be willing to move, to give each and every day. Bless this offering. Make it powerful for your honor, your glory, your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. This time I invite you to stand, sharing Christian greetings with those around you. Greet everyone in the love of God. Good morning again. Uh, this morning we have a special guest returning with us. Treva Lichty is back from uh, being gone for quite a while. And today is even more special because today she is celebrating her 88th birthday. So, 
let's sing happy birthday to her. Happy birthday. Uh, some additional announcements. Uh, the South Bend Cubs tickets uh, for the game this Friday, uh, I have them. And so if you want to pick them up today, uh, please do. You can have them in your hands. Um, or if you want to pick them up this week or even on Friday as we're heading to the game, uh, we're leaving from the cabin area in the church buses at 540. Uh, so uh, please just contact the church office or myself if you are planning on riding the bus so we know who to wait for um, and not leave behind. Uh, we're, we're planning on using both buses if need be, so uh, that, that'll be an exciting time together. Um, I also have uh, some pictures from the camp out from yesterday to share. So we have reduced numbers here today in our sanctuary but we have quite a few that are up at Amigo um, worshiping as well. So a couple pictures to enjoy uh, from yesterday's activities. And were, were any of you able to join yesterday for part of that time up there? There are a few, yes. So hopefully good weather uh, in there. And there may be some that would be joining uh, streaming. Uh, so hello to those that may be joining from, from up there. Uh, some prayers. Um, Tom Cartmel's brother-in-law, Rob Olson, is currently in the ICU in Indianapolis with pneumonia. Um, things have improved, uh, but we want to pray for continued healing uh, for him. Uh, Ed Burkholder is scheduled to have surgery to receive a pacemaker implant this Tuesday. Uh, be in prayer for skilled hands of the surgeons, successful surgery, and strong recovery uh, with that. Um, Edva, uh, Edna Van Diepenbos, uh, this would be Jeff's mom, went into the hospital this past Friday morning. Um, she is now stabilizing, is improving, uh, but will be in for a few more days. So just prayers for her continued healing um, and potential release within the next few days. Um, just want to just recognize again our song that we sang at the end here, Sanctuary. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. And within that song, we also said, purify me from within. Let the Holy Spirit move. Um, so we pray for revitalization, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for Christ to work within each of us individually within our families, and then within our congregation. It needs to start with the Holy Spirit empowering each and one of us and being ready to move and be revitalized. Let's go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you thanking you for your faithfulness, for walking with us in challenging times. We thank you for being with Rob Olson, Tom's brother-in-law. Lord, we thank you for the improvement. We just continue to raise him up, raise the family up in prayer for 
comfort, for your peace, for your healing to enter Rob's body. Continue to strengthen and heal him. Lord, be with Ed as he heads into surgery this week. May he be at peace. May the doctors do exactly what they are planning to do uh, and a successful surgery be the result and strong recovery. Be with Carol as she is with him, supports him. Lord, just comfort them. Lord, we thank you for being with Edna Van Diepenbos. Thank you for taking care of her. Continue to pray for renewed strength, for continued stabilization, and an opportunity and an ability to come home within this next week here. Lord, all the different requests and prayers that go to you, we lift them earnestly with confidence that you can heal, will heal, and will walk with us each step of the way. We thank you for opportunities to fellowship together at camp out with different activities within our Sunday school classes, within our different opportunities to fellowship together. Lord, bless our opportunities. Bless the fellowship. May that expand beyond just our current numbers and our current depth of relationship. Grow our relationship with you and with others within our congregation and beyond. Lord, continue to bless Treva as she continues to gain in strength and in health. We thank you for her faithful walk. Lord, we thank you for the faithful walk of many of our elderly who have shown faith, strong faith, through many, many years. We thank you for their example and their testimony. Lord, be with Wes as he brings us the message today. Empower him, empower the words through the Holy Spirit, speaking through him, and print them on our heart. May we open ourselves to be challenged, to be encouraged by your word. Lord, we thank you for all that you have given and all that you will continue to give. Bless our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I invite Cheryl Bontrager forward for a report on Bible school this past week. We had an awesome week for Bible school. There were so many of you praying for us, and I do appreciate that so much. Um, as far as attendance, our biggest day was Thursday. We had 66 children here, and we had 37 volunteers, so that day we had a total of 103 people here working in Bible school. And um, it takes a lot of people to make something like this happen, and I just appreciate all of your help. If you were a part of helping this week, will you please stand? Anybody that's here that helped? Let's give them a hand. Our offering this year went to the jail ministry for Elkhart County. 
Um, they have freedom bags that they give inmates as they're released. And in the freedom bag, there's just a few essentials that they may need, like maybe a pair of socks. Um, I think there's a gift card to McDonald's. Um, just a few things to help them as they leave right away from the jail. So the first day, uh, we collected $23, and we always have a low offering the first day because many kids don't know that we're doing an offering and they don't know what it's for. But then on Tuesday, Corey Martin, the jail chaplain, came and talked to the kids about what our offering was for, and they got very excited. And so every day we were trying to see if we could get to the next 100. And by Friday, we raised $1,175.41. So that was great. And there are so many children that come from the community, and it seems like if they come one year, then they want to keep coming year after year. I had a boy in my class um, in first grade a number of years ago, and he came, and he's been coming every year, and now he just finished fifth grade. And he was crying because it was his last uh, year of Bible school. But then it was so cute. At, on the very last day, he gave me his mom's cell phone number because he'd like to be a helper next year. And I was like, oh, I will find something for him to do. I know I will. Um, we have some pictures that we're going to show you. And then um, worship time was led by Karen Lineball. And then we had a skit group uh, led by Sandy Bates. The worship was wonderful, and the kids loved it. The last song that we'll play after the PowerPoint was our theme song. So the words will be on the screen, so feel free to join in that song. The kids really ended up liking it. Thank you for all your help.
Thank you for your prayers uh, this past week for that. Um, one of the things that I was impressed with with the kids was the, the armor of God is what was learned. And from the smaller kids all the way through the fifth graders, uh, as we reviewed through the week, they knew each of the pieces of armor by the end of the week, um, even the small kids, you know, the kids that were four or five years old. So put the word of God in those hearts young and early and let them grow. Uh, so thank you for your prayers and support with that. Um, scripture for today comes from Ezekiel 37, verses 15 through 28. I'm reading from the NIV. In Ezekiel 37, 15 through 28. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, Ephraim's stick, belonging to Joseph and all the house of Israel associated with him. Join them together into one stick so that they will become one in your hand. Then your when your countrymen ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand, and of the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick, making them a single stick of wood, and they will become one in my hand. Hold before them, hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on, and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land, on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them, and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses, for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your, your fathers lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. Wow. The trifecta of things going on. The camp out, Bible school, Father's Day, um, all special things, all special reasons for celebration. In our worship uh, outline in the worship brochure for this month, it says that revitalization requires following Christ as one body of believers holding fast to God's covenant with 
uh, with us in love, hope, and peace. And it's, uh, it's interesting that we, uh, we refer to Ezekiel because uh, you'll see the tie-in that Ezekiel is really calling for and being asked by God and in a conversation with God to prophesy. And we'll talk more about this in a bit because this is the first part of the chapter that we read from this morning is the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones. And what we know is that, that all through Scripture there is this theme of restoration, this theme that is both individually uh, applicable and also corporately. And, and what we have been challenged with in recent years and days is a challenge to the whole idea of a corporate reunion of, of us as a community of faith. And we have uh, growingly had a sense of being divided by a culture uh, bent on individualism. And uh, so uh, when we think about this message, it's not just an Old Testament message. It is that. But it is a message that is relevant today as anything that we could think of as a body of believers here. Um, and I want to do something a little different than I sometimes do. Sometimes in sermons you give the background and you give all the history and you, you set the stage. This morning I'm going to not start with that. I'm going to instead start with a story. And it's a little longer story than I usually do, but I think it is worth the time and energy to think of this story, and you'll see even more as we get toward the end of the story. Father John Powell uh, was a pro professor at Loyola University in Chicago, and he writes about a student in his theology of faith class named Tommy. He says, and, and so this is from his own mouth, uh, from pr the Professor Powell's mouth, relating this story, and again, you'll see toward the end why it's so important for him to verbalize this and tell this story. He says, some years ago, I stood watching my university students file into the classroom for our first session in the class, Theology of Faith. That was the first day I saw Tommy. My eyes and my mind both blinked. He was combing his long flaxen hair, which hung six inches below his shoulders. It was the first time I'd ever seen somebody with hair that long. He says, I guess it was just coming into fashion, and then I know in my mind that it wasn't uh, what's on your head, but what's in it that counts. But on that day, I was unprepared, and my emotions flipped, he says. Immediately I filed Tommy under S for strange. And um, in fact, very strange. Tommy turned out to be, in his class, the atheist in residence, if you will. He was the, the d devoted and very pronounced and proclaimed it himself an atheist. Uh, and he constantly objected to, smirked at, or whined about the possibility of an unconditionally loving Father God. We lived with each other in relative peace for one semester, the professor says. 
Although I admit it, for me, it, it was at times a serious pain in my back pew. When he came up at the end of the course to turn in his final exam, he asked in a cynical tone, do you think I'll ever find God? And I decided instantly on a little shock therapy and I said, no. Why not, he responded. I thought it was the product that you were pushing. I let him get five steps from the classroom door and then I called out, Tommy, I don't think you'll ever find him, but I'm absolutely certain that he will find you. He shrugged a little and left my class and my life. I felt a little, disapp- a little disappointed, the professor, Powell says, at the thought that he had missed my clever line, he will find you. I at least thought it was clever. Um, and later I heard that Tommy had graduated and I was duly grateful that he had graduated. Then came a sad report that Tommy had terminal cancer. Before I could search him out, he came to see me. And when he walked into my office, his body was badly wasted and his long hair had all fallen out as a result of the chemotherapy. But his eyes were bright and his voice was firm for the first time. Um, And uh, Tommy, I've thought about you so often, the professor said. I hear you are sick. Oh, yes, he said, very sick. I have cancer in both lungs. It's a matter of weeks. Can you talk about it, Tom? I asked. Sure, what would you like to know, he replied. What's it like to be only 24 and dying? Well, he said, it could be worse. Like what? Well, like being 50 and having no values or ideals like being 50 and thinking that booze, seducing women, and making money are the real biggies in life. I began to look through my mental file, Powell says, under the S category where I had filed Tommy as strange um, and sorted that out. It seems as though everybody I try to reject by classification, God sends back into my life to educate me. That's, that's awesome. But what I really came to see you about, Tom said, is something that you said to me in the last day of class. You remembered. He continued, I asked you if you thought I would ever find God, and you said no, which surprised me. Then you said, but he will find you. I thought about that a lot, and even though my my search for God was hardly intense at that time. Um, But when the doctors removed the lump from my body and told me that it was malignant, that's when I got serious about locating God. And when the malignancy spread to my vital organs, I began banging bloody fists against the bronze doors of heaven. But God did not come out. In fact, nothing happened. Did you ever, Tommy says, did you ever try anything for a long time with great effort? And with no success, you get psychologically glutted, fed up with trying, and then you quit. Well, one day I woke up and instead of throwing a few more futile appeals over that high brick wall to God, who may or may not be there, 
I just quit. I decided that I really didn't care about God, about an afterlife or anything like that. I decided to spend time, what time I had left doing something more profitable. I thought about you in your class and I remembered something else that you had said. The essential sadness is to go through life without loving. But it would be almost equally sad to go through life and leave this world without ever telling those that you loved that you loved them. So I began, Tommy said, I began with the hardest one, my dad. He was reading the newspaper when I approached him. Dad? Yes, what, he asked, without lowering his newspaper. Dad, I would like to talk to you. Well, talk. Newspaper still up. I mean, it's really important. The newspaper came down slowly for three inches. What is it? Dad, I love you. I just wanted you to know that. Tom smiled at me and said it with obvious satisfaction as though he felt a, a warm and secret joy flowing inside of him. He said, the newspaper fluttered to the floor. Then my father did two things I could never remember him ever doing before. He cried and he hugged me. And we talked all night even though he had to go to work the next morning. It felt so good to be close to my father, to see his tears and to feel his hug and to hear him say that he loved me. It was easier with my mother and little brother. They cried too and we hugged each other and started to say really nice things to each other. We shared the things we had been keeping secret for so many years. I was only sorry about one thing, that I'd waited so long. Here I was just beginning to open up to all the people that I had actually been close to. Then one day I turned around and God was there. He didn't come to me when I pleaded with him. I guess I was like an animal trainer holding out a hoop. Come on, jump through. Come on, I'll give you three days, three weeks. Apparently God does things in his own way and in his own hour, but the important thing is that he was there. He found me. You were right, Tommy said. He found me after I had stopped looking for him. Tommy, I practically gasp. I think you're saying something very important and much more universal than you realize. To me, at least, you're saying that the surest way to find God is to not make him a private possession, a problem solver, or an instant consolation in time of need, but rather by opening to love. You know, the Apostle John said, said that. He said, God is love, and anyone who lives in love is living with God, and God is living in them. Tom, could I ask you a favor? The professor said, you know, when I had you in class, you were a real pain. But laughingly, you can make it all up to me now. Would you come to, into my current Theology of Faith course 
and tell them what you've just told me. If I told them the same thing, it wouldn't be half as effective as if you were to tell it. Ooh, I was ready for you, but I don't know if I'm ready for your class. Tom, think about it, and when you're ready, give me a call. In a few days, Tom called and said he was ready for the class, that he wanted to do that for God and for me. So we scheduled the date. However, he never made it. He had another appointment, far more important than the one with me in my class. Of course, his life was not really ended by his death, only changed. He made a great step from faith in division. He found a life more beautiful than the eye of man can ever have seen or the ear of man has ever heard or the mind of man has ever imagined. But before he died, we talked one last time. I'm not going to make it to your class, he said. I know, Tom. Will you tell them for me? Will you tell the whole world for me? I will, Tom. I'll tell them. I'll, I'll do my best. So to all of you who have been kind enough to read this simple story about God's love, thank you for listening. And to you, Tommy, somewhere in the sunlit, verdant hills of heaven, I told them, Tommy, I told them as best I could. This story is word for word, not been enhanced in any way, told as Tommy would want it told. It's a story about someone searching for God, looking for meaning in life and a relationship with God. He found it through death and through love. You could say that Tommy and the professor both found the breath of heaven in, in this life and opened their eyes to the resurrection power of God. See, God takes things that are broken and heals them and restores them. And that's the story of all of scripture. It's the story of this passage in Ezekiel. It's the story of God using Ezekiel and taking him into a valley of dry bones, a place where the bones of many, many soldiers, many, many people, many children and families were there and had been buried. And the story is the story of bringing and breathing new life back in. Now, we all know what it's like or have seen when a child falls and hurts himself. This is, this is one of the most universal things that, that we can see is, you know, a young child is learning to walk. They're, you know, initially the crawling, the falls aren't so bad, but when they start to walk and they fall, or you've all seen it, you see a child exploring under a table and we all sit there and go, no, they're going to stand up and bump their head on the top of the table. And they get these boo-boos and these ouchies and these scrapes and these scratches. And there are two things that they always seek after that. One is they seek out 
the person that they trust and know the most, their parent, the grandparent, whoever's caring for them, someone that they, they go to for healing. They don't understand all that's going on about why it happened or how it happened. They just know it hurts and they want it healed. And they're asking for that. The second thing that they're always looking for is to be held and to be comforted, which is not just the healing, but it's also the comfort of someone, a, a relationship, someone that you know can is going to be there with you through that experience. To be healed and held is the universal seeking of every human being. It's not just for children. It's for all of us that we seek that process. Well, this story and the role of Ezekiel comes at a time. And we're going to sing a song at the end today. These are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Ezekiel is one of the verses. And this day for Ezekiel was one in which he was called to, to call the people back. I won't go into all of the, the history and details, but you know that there was a divided kingdom because unbelievable, I, I'm being facetious here, unbelievable uh, is that, that people don't agree and dis, divide and go different ways and that people have conflicts and people have uncertainty. And the reality is that the the kingdom of Israel was divided into Israel and Judah in the south. And these two kingdoms were divided. One of those kingdoms had sided with the captors and the invaders from another country. And they were overpowering them and, and sided with them and they were allowed to stay. And the other was sent into exile and so there was a lot of animosity between these two kingdoms. And so the context of this Ezekiel passage is that God is wanting to establish very clearly that God, by his breath, has the power to breathe life into what was dead. A broken relationship, uh, 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 an atheist that is a skeptic and doesn't believe. Whatever that gap is, God is able to overcome it. And he tells Ezekiel to prophesy. Now, I don't know what that would have been like, but if you could have watched that raising of bones to become living human beings again, it would have been quite a sight. But the importance of the story is that in the whole imagery of, of the healing and the the two sticks that would be glued and put together and become one stick. That whole story in the first part of this chapter is a story of God's ability to heal and to hold and to make whole again and to restore. And that is not only something that each of us needs personally, relationships in our families, relationships with other people, even in the church, relationships with neighbors that we live beside. But there is always, we always have these tensions and these, broken, these areas of brokenness. 
And so the whole story of Ezekiel was to, to, to prophesy to those bones to live and to breathe the breath of God into them. And do you think it's changed? You may say you're not Ezekiel. Uh, you can't possibly do anything on this scope. You're not being asked to. You're being asked to do it where you are and to breathe life into the breath of God into that which is broken and to have hope and and recognize that it's not us. Ezekiel trusted God and he did what God said. And the whole story of this Ezekiel passage is that the only way that you restore something is living under the decrees and guidelines and commands of God. And the restoring has to do with Jesus as well. Because Jesus was the one who came and lived a holy life and was pure and obedient to everything that God had commanded. And so this message today is a message that, that community is the result of our faithfulness to God. We live in community. We live against the standards of our culture. And I'll tell you, we're in a broken culture. We're in a culture that is divided. If, uh, if we think that it was growingly that way for many years before the pandemic, the pandemic has divided us in all kinds of ways. When you sit there and you make a list of all the things that have helped to divide the churches and to divide people within the churches and uh, whether it's not just political perspectives but how we should handle uh, an epidemic like that, that uh, how we should handle uh, you know, health concerns and all of that. We, we have an unlimited list of things that would divide us. But it's only through obedience to Christ that we can be made one and have life breathed back into us. This passage is, a, is the overall intent and structure of all of Scripture. That God would restore what he created for his purposes. And so... I want to look at a couple of applications that we can make just to, to summarize. Um, the first one is this, that each, each of us must choose to be reconciled to God through Jesus. This passage primarily deals with two nations, but the whole point of this passage was also to remind people that we are part of a spiritual kingdom and that's what must be reunited the spiritual kingdom and recognize that it's not about the conflicts of this world. What Tommy and the professor found with each other was something only that, hap- that only happens in, in the kingdom of God. So each of us must make that choice. The second application is that the unity of the church And genuine community can only come from a focus on Jesus. We aren't going to like each other. We'll never get to that point. 
where every single person around us, we love them. Oh, we like them. We love them. Oh, they're just the greatest person in the world. If we think that we have the power to be that great, think again. But by the power of the living Christ, the breath of God breathes into us a love that is willing to sacrifice and overcome that gap and, and to, to give people a chance to change, to give ourselves a chance to change, to kneel before the cross and acknowledge our own brokenness and recognize that we aren't all that anyway. And so let's get off of it and let's humble ourselves before the Lord and let God lift us up in his time. Third application. As we keep God's will through obedience to Jesus, we will bring glory to God. Dr. Powell was faithful in telling Tommy, I will tell the world as best I can. And he's told this story, and I tell this story to honor the request of Tommy because he wants it said that even from the furthest gap, there can be healing and restoration to the relationship between the created and the creator. But there must be a clear obedience and there must be a willingness to stand on what we say. We saw these videos of the Bible school and what a tremendous sense of, of there was this incredible feeling. As children were singing this song, we just talked, kept, I kept thinking as I was here for a few of the worship times um, that may the seeds of faith be planted here, be planted here. And for children coming back year to year, even if they're only here one day, three days, whatever, may there be a seed that falls in a way that it will grow and become strong as a plant for God's kingdom. May there, those seeds of faith, and, and the word of God was so strong in this, standing for the word of truth is that standing for obedience. Um, and many Christians today, we end up acting like we're in Babylon, like we're exiled. Well, even if we are, even the people of, of God who were in exile were told to enrich their cities. What does that mean? It means bloom wherever you're planted. If God sends you this, we're going to make it flourish. If God gives you this, we're going to make it flourish. Maybe for a day, maybe for a lifetime, maybe I only have a year left in my life. Maybe I've got three days or a week. I don't know, but, but am I going to be devoted to the fact that I don't care when it is until that day comes, I am going to serve my God. That's the determination of making our life count. Application for our lives can only be fruitful to the degree that we stay connected to Jesus and a community of faith. I, I know this is a debate we won't get into, but the question is that people often ask, can I be a faithful Christian and not be part of a faith community? And I want to say, I don't have the ability to say whether or not someone will be saved 
But I do know this, that the reason that we're saved, that we're healed and held is to be able to serve God and be productive. And separating ourselves and, and separating and, and stop, stopping being able to, 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 to meet. And that was really tough in the, the months and, and years of the pandemic. But even more than that, let's not fall into the pattern of not meeting together, praying together, serving together. And thank you again, not just for the volunteers of the Bible school, but thank you for all the volunteers that week after week, whatever ministry team it is, is offering hours of service. Thank you. God bless you. May that be a a way that you experience this same healing that Ezekiel was calling for and that God was calling for through Ezekiel. Um, And so... um, that, you know, we, we have to basically reinvest in community. We need to reinvest in doing things together, in meeting together, praying together, laughing together, having fun together. Whether it's our classes. Uh, I remember a day, just thinking back right now, a day when every single class, young and old, in this church had some form of winter retreat. Maybe not a couple of the, the a couple of the older classes, but there was there was a winter retreat every year, and there was maddening ping pong games and card games and and devotionals and laughter and joy, and oh how we have gotten away from the acts for church of meeting together daily. I just want to encourage you and, and say our sense together as a community of Christ is how we encourage each other in the mission that he's called us to. And finally, the fifth application, we will only find peace and productivity in this world by a commitment to grow in our relationship with Christ. So we don't like to be stretched. We don't like to be pushed We don't like to be too um, nudged. We don't like that. But it's our way of growing in our faith, and it's important. Uh, Verse 22 um, uh, tells us from the scripture that one king will rule over us. That king is Jesus Christ. He is the third stick. Isaiah 11.1 1 says in reference to the Messiah, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch will grow out of his roots. I don't know what roots will take to the earth and bring forth plants, but I, we pray that every Sunday, every Bible school day, every Sunday school class, every Wednesday evening class, every prayer group, every effort we do all through revitalization will bring forth life. We're not doing it for ourselves like Tommy. He was going to die. He knew that. He accepted that. But we don't do it for ourselves. We do it for the the next generation to come 
that we have been faithful in standing with God for what is right and good and true and pure. May we do that more and more and more. This message this morning is a word of hope. In the struggle and confusion of so much moral decay around us, we are reminded not to conform to this world and to stand firm in the word of God and the teaching set before us. If we lose our identity and our community, we will end up returning to the valley of dry, dead bones and be lost to the brokenness of this world, to miss the healing and security of being held in the kingdom of heaven. I want to close with this quote. All the men would have received this devotional booklet this morning. I'm going to close with the very first thing that says, paragraph under getting started, which says, you cannot come to know Jesus and remain the same. Jesus Christ will change your life forever. Following Jesus transforms your past, your present, your words and actions, your hopes and ambitions. Jesus changes everything. He did for Tommy. I hope he will for each one of us as well. Let's sing with joy as we have the team come up and lead us in These Are the Days. Please stand and join us as we sing.
praise God. Salvation comes from our Lord. What a gift through Christ. The invitation for us to join in the harvest and to be part of the healing and being held for those around us, for each other, to walk through this journey of life with a sure foundation of God's community surrounding us, empowering us to be all that we can be for the name of Jesus Christ and for his purpose. May we go forth today committed to being a community of faith that will love God and love each other in the way we are called, in the way that was demonstrated through Jesus Christ. Let's close in prayer. God, may your blessing fall on all of our efforts. We're not a perfect people, Lord. We are broken, we are hurt, we are wounded, and we come to you today needing your, you to heal and to hold us, Lord, and to then send us back into the world to serve you and empower others, to hold your message out, to breathe your breath into the lives of all that we can so that they might be raised and glorified for your kingdom's purpose. Go with us today to that end. In the name of our risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.